Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Shit's getting way too complicated for me. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, Feb 2, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, day 379 of the Biden-Harris administration, 279 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, and don't forget to give us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Malcolm Nance, Shouty McShoutface, returns to the show today, this time Oh, my God. Live from Kiev, Ukraine. I'm not making that up. So we're going to talk about Russia, of course, Putin and the troop buildup along the Ukrainian border. Get the entire scoop from Malcolm. The audio, by the way, gets a little weird in the middle of our talk, but it's not too terrible given that he's 4,800 miles away from me. He also coined a new nickname for the pro-Putin Republican Party on the show today, so stick around for that. And don't forget, he's got a brand new book coming out on my birthday, July 12 of this year. It's called They Want to Kill Americans, The Malicious, Terrorists, and Deranged Ideology of the Trump Insurgency. Link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com to pre-order. All right, get it while it's extra shouty. And meantime, don't forget to sign up for our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. Okay, here comes Malcolm Nance in Ukraine. Bob Seska! There he is, the man, the myth, the McShout face. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. How's things going? Okay. Another possible land war in Asia. The classic blunder, right? Is that what we're getting into? Unfortunately, this is technically in Europe. Okay. Deep in Europe. All right. For another 200 miles to the east, you're to the southeast, you could call it Asia. <laughs> okay. Ukraine's a big country. I mean, let's face it. It's it's large. It's it is. about the same size as Germany, Austria, and Poland combined, right? Yeah. It's it's pretty big country. You know I'm here, right? Yes, that was my very next question. What the hell are you doing there? <laughs> what do you mean? What am I doing here? I'm on a fact-finding mission uh related to uh you know, the crisis in Ukraine. Uh, so not, to uh, see whether things are, are are actually as they seem. 
and if this thing is going to go south. Is this a personal fact-finding mission, or are you on, uh, like, deep background? No, no, it's it's a personal fact-finding mission related to my think tank, the ah. Terror Asymmetrics Project. So, and of course, you know, it's always good to keep boned up on wars before they happen. <laughs> yes, uh, always essential. <laughs> Very, yeah. very much so. I mean, I spent the whole day plotting out the Russian order of battle, and, and it's not a joke. It's serious. Yeah, well, let's stare into the gaping maw here. It's like we're standing on the roof of the Chernobyl reactor, staring down into the uh, the, the, the burning I'm, I'm, <laughs> reactor number five. Uh, what happens? That a couple of days, I'm sure. Well, what happens if negotiations with Blinken fail and Putin decides to go in? I mean, how is this all going to go down, Malcolm? Who's going to intervene and how bad will it get? Well, first off, let's just put something on the table. Yeah. If Putin loses his mind Mm -hmm. and he's decided that he's going to take Ukraine or take another major part of Ukraine, one of the things people need to understand is Ukraine has an army, too. Yeah. And, you know, they're seeing and this is where you're 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 not seeing some facts. They're looking at the units that are deployed along the border of Donetsk and Luhansk mm-hmm. in the southeast, which were the, the breakaway sections of the country that that were ethnically Russian, that the Russians created a uh, a paramilitary organization to fight. And then, of course, invite the Russians in and the Russians seize Crimea. Yeah, completely away from them. And now, you know, have uh, Russian missiles and Russian personnel uh, fighting with these uh, these these rebels Mm. in those two sections. That's where the war has been for the last eight years, since 2014. And the Ukrainians feel that they're at war. But look, here in the city of Kiev, there they do not believe that they're at war. They don't (laughs) act like they're at war and they're. And, you know, it's pretty far away. I mean, it's over yeah. uh, it's over uh, 150 to 200 miles from Kiev down towards the battlefront mm-hmm. where, you know, in the Donetsk region. That being said, where the Russians are stationing their, their main forces uh, out to the north uh, east uh, in the area of Kharkov in, in Russia, yeah. Uh, there's an entire, you know, there there are dozens of of uh, mobile battalions of mechanized infantry, artillery, uh, tanks by the score, as many as two thousand tanks, um, you know, out in that region and, yeah. and all along that border area mm-hmm. to where they could it swiftly and swiftly means days, if not weeks you know it, it swiftly does not mean hours yeah you know it, it really does mean a, 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 where they're going to have to cross that border and the hard reality that there are people on the other side of that border that love their country that will fight to the death mm-hmm. now they can maneuver around them they can overwhelm them with very large quantities of artillery or um you know uh you know attack resources they'll dominate the sky yeah. In the first, you know, day to where they'll have total air superiority, but they won't have total air superiority at low level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, with uh, the weapons that, you know, we supply to Ukraine, Ukraine actually has a very large defense industry. They export weapons all around the world. Yeah. So those 
you know, they will have have the capacity to make anything that happens at low level. Plus, they also have American weapons, right? I mean, that was sort of the centerpiece of uh, Trump's attempt to cheat last time, right? Well, the centerpiece of American weapons is actually a uh, what I call a deal breaker weapon system, which is Mm -hmm. the Javelin anti-tank missile. Yeah. And the Javelin anti-tank missile is an American made missile, which, you know, you aim it at the target, you lock it on and it remembers where that damn target is Mm -hmm. and where it's going. So, you know, the missile goes there and it has one or two profiles that it'll carry like straight in and uh, it sort of assesses the target or it pops up and comes down from the top and burns its way through the top of the tank, which (laughs) is its most vulnerable area. Yeah. And then and then lets all the ammunition in the turret explode uh, and it pops the cork. So, I mean, Russia has any tank missiles, too. You know, and I'm sure they'll be using them in overwhelming force. But the jet, unlike unlike the Russians, the Russians have to be guided for the most part. They have mm. to sit there and guide it into the target. The American one, it has a thermal imager that can go day, night, fog. And, uh, the you know, you just aim it, get a lock on it, press the button, go have a cup of coffee, take the thermal imager with you so you could use it for another missile or to have an, a, an additional, you know, uh, optic on the battlefield which is always good i would imagine it's pretty close to suicide if putin tries this right i mean in the long run because how could he possibly occupy ukraine given the status of the russian economy and and his status on the world stage i I just don't see how it's even feasible for him to do it well first off you have to step back and realize what is the the nature of the Russian leadership, right? You need to yeah. do a, a a leadership analysis and a and a, a, a evaluate the kind of cost decision making that the Russians do. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of things that you need to understand. Uh, in the Soviet Union, human life meant nothing. Yeah. Right. And if human life meant nothing, and the strategic goal was worthwhile under that ideology, then they do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like running the entire gulag, yeah. gulag camp structure, putting millions of people into slavery or mm-hmm. Stalin mass murdering, you know, millions of his own military personnel in the 1930s. So start there that in Russia and even this modern post-Soviet, you know, capitalist oligarch Russia, it's sort of like China. Right. China. Yeah. China's chock full of money, but they still don't care if you get run over by a you know, a moped or a Tesla. (laughs) So, you know, you're just a number at that point. Mm -hmm. So Russia's calculations are are based on that one historical fact that Russia itself is a very big country. It has an enormous population, uh, but they're not particular. But the leadership is it's a country which is led by an ex KGB officer. Yeah. So Vladimir Putin has a very Soviet mindset towards how he does things, but he does it like the Chinese. You know, he does it within a within an and the ideology of oligarchy, right? Mm-hmm. That money rules all, rules everything, and so they live within that, and that anything that you need can be bought, and that he's created a class, an entire class of of people whose loyalty to him is just, you know, their their ATM and credit cards are able to work anywhere in the world. And the, and his cronies, 
true cronies and real henchmen. I mean, Bond villain evil henchmen, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Prigozhin. The, you know, the man started out as running a mafia restaurant in the post-Soviet period in St. Petersburg. And it's where Putin and his mayor buddy, who were literally liquidating the city of all Soviet assets uh, and creating fake ownership certificates and selling apartment blocks for, our, you know, um, half a million bucks. They, when the day before, they didn't belong to anybody. They mm. belonged to the state. <laughs> state didn't get that money. They sold it. And they became insanely rich. Prigozhin was the guy who ran the restaurant. There, he, he's, he's sort of like the owner of the restaurant in Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, right. So, but because he could keep their secrets, Putin bought him into his uh, personal crew and made and gave him the contract to feed all everyone in the Russian army, and then provided food to all schools, orphanages, and state-sponsored facilities in all of Russia. So Prigozhin is very, you know, beholden to him. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, I mean, Prigozhin has a yacht that's like a hundred million dollars, and it actually it's a yacht that has an elevator and a dock for other yachts. <laughs> oh, yeah, just like my so yacht. That's not a joke. It's <laughs> right. not a joke. But on the other hand, he also runs their version of Blackwater, mm -hmm. right? PMC Wagner, uh, which is an organization that uh, you know is literally Blackwater where yeah. the Russians claim they can do things without, you know, without fingerprints, like try to seize ISIS's oil fields that were held by the Kurds and the U.S. Special Forces three years ago, which resulted in 250 dead Russians, right, and 12 Americans, mm -hmm. you know, having cups of coffee from the rooftop, pointing lasers at them and slaughtering them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know... That is what we're dealing with here. But a country with a now a modern armed force, a volunteer force that's, you know, paid salaries uh, and, you know, who perhaps he thinks 2014 was so easy in Crimea, which was an ethnic Russian place. He mm -hmm. landed special forces without patches and he just seized the government. This is a different animal. You will have to fight and it will turn this beautiful country that I'm in. I mean, I'm in downtown. I'm right next to Maidan Square. You know, I hung out with Sergei the Bear uh, the other day. This this guy in a bear costume who, you know, he, he gives you hugs. Oh, sort of like and, Times Square. Sort of like the uh, characters in Times it Square, is right? Exactly like Times Square. You got to see Sergei the Bear, and um, he's hilarious. And down the street is Max Mara, Zara, you know, Chanel. In uh -huh. all of these places, the Zoom, the Zoom department store, which has, there is no sign that there is a crisis here. And this is just nothing but a middleweight uh, European capital. It would be like attacking Maryland. Yeah, right. Okay. But, you know, a, a very deep Maryland. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> yeah, attacking yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania and going for <laughs> Pittsburgh. <with> no, <laughs> you know, it, it's just not going to happen easy you're going to fight every centimeter of the way and it will literally destroy this country but russia is putting in the resources that appears that they want to do it and like i said i i, I watched the entire order of battle today i uh. plotted out the order of battle and there were some very surprising things in that order of battle that sort of scared me yeah like what large quantities of airborne and helicopter borne forces in Belarus, which are just two and a half hours driving time 
from the border to Kiev. And these are pro-Russian. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kiev, this, no, that's the Russian army. Yeah, the, the Russian, the Russian army, army is in Belarus. Yes, and their job is to use Belarus, which is a dictatorship, to invade uh, this country. And it gives them the capacity to... Um, it gives them the capacity to really just come in and take what they want. And Kiev, Kiev is a, what a matter of it looks like a matter of fifty miles from the border of Belarus. No, no, no. Kiev is is much further than that. One hundred and thirty-five. Okay. Uh, let me let me actually. I, I plotted all of this out today. Well, so it seems like, like it's the closest right major here. city Kiev to the Belarus. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're you're going, if you're going to drive your forces through Chernobyl, it's a lot closer. But oh, okay. where the army is really at, you're going to want to use. That's not joking. Yeah, you might want to go around that. Chernobyl. <laughs> yes, yeah, take an but, alternate route. If, but if they take the major highways, which mm -hmm. um, it's only 139 miles from the border to Kiev, yeah. from the north, okay. from Belarus. All right. But the forces they have there are like paratroopers and helicopter-borne forces and others. And, you know, one of the strategic objectives that you would have would be to, you know, the Pentagon has already mobilized forces just to go to Romania. Mm -hmm. And that's because they would need an air bridge to Kiev in case they had to do a non-combatant evacuation operation that, you know, instead of trying to do it over land on a six-hour drive to Romania or Moldova, you, mm -hmm. you would just fly your forces up. But the Russians know that, and the Russians would have to know to make, make any inroads here. They would have to seize that airport with yeah. airborne forces right. and destroy radars, power lines, communication centers, blacken out the city. We're talking about what the Russians are doing in Syria they would have to do to Ukraine or wow. what they did in Chechnya. Now, you're talking not millions of dollars or billions of dollars. You're talking trillions of dollars of damage here. Mm -hmm. And so, the question is, are they ready to, are they ready to have all of their money become worthless? And that's exactly what will happen, right? If I they mean, do that. Because it will. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're talking about extreme sanctions if that happens. And that's just at the bare minimum, right? I mean, that's something that's going to happen. Well, the sanctions, you have to understand the nature of sanctions. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not just that these individuals will be named, okay? What we'll do is we'll declare these things illicit assets, mm -hmm. and we'll start seizing their assets around the world. But most importantly, it'll be against the entire Russian state. Yeah. And so, you know, you won't be separating oligarchs from Putin this time. All of you go. So that means Prigozhin's yacht, if it's in Portsmouth, England, or Oslo, Norway, can be seized as an asset. As a, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mind, and I've said this many times, you know, if you want to get back at Putin and the oligarchs, you have SEAL Team 6 land on Prigozhin's yacht and <laughs> seize it and <laughs> declare it a commission it as a U.S. Navy warship yeah. and sail it back to the United States and say it's an illicit asset that was, get, you know, gotten by ill-gotten gains. So all of these things are possible, but more importantly, we would cut them off from the entire international banking system. Mm -hmm. So their money would suddenly become, well, it would still be worth something. They're, you know, stacks and stacks of, you know, um, of, uh, you know, breaking bad, <laughs> you know. Yeah, lots of storage spaces. Yeah. garages of, <laughs> of, of illicit cash. Uh -huh. But for them to spend it, they would have to spend that money 
in China. They were for, so they would be getting 25 cents to the dollar on their hard cash. Their assets around the world couldn't be moved because they would ha have to go through. And, you know, the deal is if you use a U.S. bank and you do business with these people, you are also sanctioned. So it means suddenly everyone in the world who would like to have their ATM work tomorrow, you know, through the SWIFT system that would go through any U.S. bank or asset would have to stop doing business with Russia. It would crash their economy. So right? you're Vladimir Putin. Do you actually take that risk? Because uh, it seems like what he wants to do is a whole lot of nostalgia, right? He wants to recapture yeah. that Soviet empire era. Is that even worth the consequences that he's going to face as a result of it? No, it's not worth the consequences. But, you know, I watched his his uh, his uh, press conference yesterday and his little speech on this matter. Mm. Fifty percent of it while he was in Hungary. Right. Which is a right wing authoritarian leaning fascist state. Yep. Which Putin has very close ties to. Same mm -hmm. place Tucker Carlson is broadcasting. Yeah, they're doing an American club. They're doing CPAC so there this year. Yeah, they're doing CPAC there, right? Because they want to be right-wing authoritarian autocrats aligned with Russia. Also, my God. So, yeah, I mean, that's just a conservative movement. Well, you know, when I wrote mm -hmm. my book, "Plot to Destroy Democracy," how Putin and his cyber spies were just undermining America and dismantling the West, which I think is one of my best works. That book outlines Russia's strategy all around the world, how dismantling liberal democracy is a strategic goal of Putin. Yep. That is a old school communist goal by a guy who was a communist until he was in his mid 40s <laughs> and a KGB communist all of that time, you know, from 13 on that he still has the strategic goals of the old Soviet Union in his mind. Yeah. But in this case, he tried to split Hungary away from, you know, from from NATO by saying, you, since you have sponsored me, you will get all the oil and energy that you want. And if people who are using Nord Stream 1, you know, don't get involved, they can continue getting energy. It was pure extortion where he had this impression I can split Europe in half if I just talk about the economic benefits or detriments mm -hmm. that will happen if you get in my way. And I know what will happen. He will attempt this uh, in some way, shape, or form, maybe even just decide to take Luhansk and Donetsk completely over and make those Russian provinces, which would be a massive provocation. It would take an enormous number of forces. And yes, there'd be a you know, a, a boatload of fighting, uh, but it wouldn't be them taking all of, you know, Ukraine, which would be very, very, very difficult indeed. But it would be enough to, imp to have those sanctions. And I think he feels that his money is good enough, you know, his gas is good enough to ride those sanctions. Austria, for example, um, the reason that three years ago, four years ago, you, you know, the uh, alternative for Austria you know, the, the old SS, Nazi SS originated party um, uh, immediately signed a deal with United Russia. You know, when mm -hmm. when when the uh, the, when the president took over because they're 100 percent 
they're 100 percent dependent on Russia for all of its gas and its energy needs. So this is, you know, very, very important aspect of 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 why Putin says what he says. Mm -hmm. The question is, does he say what he said? You know, does does he say what he says and then decides I can hold on with my my, you know, my um, economic assets because these people are dependent on. Yeah. Well, there's a big difference between the largest new land war in Europe since World War II. <laughs> okay, because this will be way... I Look, I was in Bosnia uh, and, and, and Croatia and fighting the Serbs uh, back in the early 90s. And this will be way bigger than that. Way bigger. This will be a, a mobility land war. Tanks maneuvering and, and, and fighting going on everywhere. And based on so, what and based on what you said, Malcolm, it's going to be on three fronts, right? I mean, coming in from the east in Luhansk and, and Donetsk, and then uh, up in Kharkov, coming south from there, and then Kiev, right through Belarus. That seems and quite possibly from Brest, uh, Brest, um, which is on the far Polish uh, Belarus border. Yeah. There are two uh, motorized rifle brigades up there, which wow. if you want to fight a war you got to threaten the west too and they could go south to lviv which is the westernmost city in in ukraine and pressure the ukrainian government to uh you know to to take out all these other resources and then you'd be fighting on four sides yeah (laughs) Yeah, oh not to mention they could land amphibious forces in odessa so that's straight from the south will come up from crimea and we're seeing the resources and assets available to do that and that's why when the Secretary of Defense goes on and says, um, Ukraine, uh, the Russians have the capability now to carry out an invasion. He's mm. not just saying those tanks are there. He's saying the fuel trucks are there. The fuel pipelines are there. Surface-to-air missiles are there. The helicopter support forces. The mechanized infantry. The, the follow-on police forces as occupation forces. That's what he needs. And, you know, we've seen estimates from the Foreign Policy Research Institute, uh, the great Rob Lee, who's on Twitter, RLE, uh, saying they could have all capabilities in place by February 9th, which means, yeah, are you going to sit on it for three weeks or are you just going to say, okay, let's throw down? Mm -hmm. It's in the mind of this KGB officer who views Ukraine as the brick, the last brick blocking western democracy from his country and he wants it as a buffer is he willing to devastate europe and, and threaten war uh with all of these neighbors in nato okay short break back with more malcolm right after this carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. So, So the worst case scenario happens and we end up getting drawn into that. Do we have the resolve? Do we have the resilience to be able to push Putin's forces back, especially on these now four different fronts around the uh, border of Ukraine. It seems like for the United States right now, it seems like that would be 
an extremely difficult task to undertake. I mean, where are you in terms of American intervention? First off, the United States has no has no legal obligation to intervene. Yeah, because Ukraine is not a member of NATO, even though they were applying to be a member of NATO. And um, there there is no Article five responsibility. That's Mm -hmm. NATO's article that says if one nation is attacked, all nations are attacked. Yeah. But the reason we're moving all these troops and resources is one, we may have to evacuate an enormous number of people. And two, um, we have three nation states that Russia also wants, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. And those town, those countries are essentially small towns Yeah, that Russia could, if they wanted to, push through in a matter of a day or two and connect themselves to Kaliningrad. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing that. So the United States right now is not getting involved in the war other than doing what they should have been doing and, ha- and are doing now, which is, you know, flying in, you know, thousands of metric tons of javelins, mm-hmm. right, and make them drop off a truck right across the Ukrainian border where the Ukrainians would pick them up. And that would be the easiest thing to do, which is to start, you know, flying into, you know, southern Poland, just, you know, here's 10,000 javelins. That's a deal breaker. Okay. That, That right there has the capacity to stop anything Russia throws at it. It'll be costly. It'll be phenomenally bloody. Tens of thousands of people lose their lives. Um, the way Russia fights, it could easily be hundreds of thousands, because if you want to see how Russia would fight, go see what they did in northern Syria mm-hmm. when they intervened on the side of Assad. The first thing the Russian Air Force did was they bombed every hospital in Syria, and they did it deliberately to bring complete strife on the population and make them move. Then they bombed all fire departments and police stations, communications towers. Then they started bombing the foreign troops. But now they bombed support and life support infrastructure there in order to make it so that the population would would abandon the government. Can Mm -hmm. I point out to you that ISIS and all these other groups, uh, you know, and, and the... And the Turkish back groups, they're all still fighting the Russians in northern Syria. Jesus. Russia hasn't won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the cream of Russia's army up there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this would be 10 orders of magnitude, if you can actually say that. I think you just say order of magnitude, right? This would <laughs> be an order of magnitude far more difficult. It would yeah. be with a thousand, you know, with with armor and tanks. And what's really fascinating is, you know, um, the, the largest tank battle in the, in world war two was fought here, you know, <laughs> near curse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, mm. and, and, and yeah. there was a, there was another major where thousands of tanks were rolling through these fields and winter does not help Russia here. Although people say they do, it's harder ground. They can maneuver. They're 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 ready to fight. Hey, I'm from upstate New York. It's 15 <laughs> colder there right now yeah, than yeah. it is here. All right. The third right. year. This is like a summer vacation, so <laughs> it's going to be muddy. Uh-huh. And the low you're going to get is the mid 20s. I I would take mid 20 right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's, hey, you know, you mentioned NATO a second ago. Josh Hawley, uh, apparently, just a few minutes ago, uh, called upon the Biden administration to drop longstanding U.S. support for Ukraine's eventual membership in NATO. So seriously. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. Are, are these guys being paid by Russia through several front groups or is it direct deposit? What do you think, Malcolm? <laughs> No, that's definitely direct deposit. I, I think that they, I think it's not only direct deposit. They get it, these advance notices on when the money has been deposited and when Jesus. the funds will be available. I, I mean, now is a very, very good time to start calling the treason caucus. Yeah, yeah. We do not abandon democracies. Mm. You want to start? We should call that. These are truly the Russian dictator caucus, and I'm ashamed that there are some liberal progressive groups that are saying, oh, we don't want war, who are siding with the Trump, pro-Trump, pro-Putin caucus oh, here. God. yeah. Okay, yeah. you got to start. The United States did not initiate a war. We're not going to war. We are sending resources to a country that is about to, be, that could potentially be invaded at any time that will kill, and I know a lot of people don't think that this is very important if it was in Democratic Republic Congo, but I'm sorry, this is a country mm -hmm. of white people. Yeah. And when you start seeing those images that make this country look like France 1917 with, you know, large refugee columns of blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids, there's going to be a big turnaround in Trump's base, Yeah. so yeah. long as... You know, so long as Trump doesn't come out and say those are actually, you know, anti-American communists, uh, which would be ridiculous. Yeah. What re Ukraine represents is a dangerous and deadly infection. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Putin wants to keep this country's democratic norms and, and, and leanings out of Russia because he he's a dictator he needs to control them so yeah the tree the real treason caucus i mean i would start calling them the kgb caucus yeah there you go because that's what they support they support kgb officer over americans i mean russia attacked us too and that speaks to both the opposition coming from some members of the left to intervention here Twitter right now so i can put that out there i'm gonna make that hashtag roll what's that yeah oh yeah do it absolutely <laughs> do it caucus. that'd be awesome but i mean as i was saying they attack the united it, states too i mean we're not you know we're not just standing on the sidelines watching this yeah uh, do you have confidence in biden's foreign policy team at this point well, I think they, yes, I think now they've learned their lesson with Afghanistan, which is why all these resources are flowing to Poland. Yeah. Pol those resources in Poland are going out to support Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Mm. And the ones going to Romania are coming out to support a non-combatant evacuation yeah. if they have to. And it puts pressure on Putin. Right. Now you got to watch what all the U.S. fighter jets are doing. Now you got to watch what the U.S. airlift is doing. Now U.S. surveillance aircraft are out there. But we, uh, they, there was an open source report where we saw Russia's strategic trucks, which jams the data link of the JSTAR's uh, ground support aircraft. That's the aircraft that can literally track every moving vehicle in Ukraine in real time and tell you if it's an armor convoy or tell you if it's a, you know, a motorcycle tuk-tuk parade. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, you know, Russia needs us not to pass that data on to Ukraine. Yeah. And those assets coming out are another, you know, unambiguous indicator 
that, you know, that they intend to they intend to blink at some point. Can Putin back out of it? I don't think so. I think he may have put himself in a position that's untenable to where he's going to have to do something and take the hit or lie and say that he got a concession out of NATO, which he has not. What he's asked for is for the United for NATO to say you can never have another member without us approving it, which we're never, ever, ever going to do. Um, it, it will force Sweden and Finland to finally join NATO. Yeah, I'm sure you know people have been talking about that. Um, I personally think that if they back down out of this thing, that perhaps that this is an opportunity to fast track Ukraine into NATO. You know, mm-hmm. so too bad we didn't promise that we wouldn't st- that we would stay away from Russia, which is crazy. It, you know, the reason that NATO went from like. NATO's 18 nations to NATO's now 30 nations. It was eight, like 16 and 18 in the Cold War. And now it's 30 countries and they're all former Soviet is because they cannot trust Russia. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most likely, how likely is Putin to go in? It sounds like he's got no choice. He has to do it uh, because he's he's threatened. And so now, it's you know, because of the Russian thing, he's got to make good I'm, on that threat. I'm still at a five. You're still I'm at a five. five. Still, well, that's, it's, 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 yeah. That's it's a little bit 50, hopeful. 50. Yeah. Okay. It's 50 50. It's very 50 50 here. Um, because I have, I mean, these moves that we're making in the White House show that we know how Putin behaves. Yeah. And let me tell you, it, we're lucky to have uh, Lloyd Austin as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is a combat commander. He's seen it all. And he understands what it means when you say, hey, I sent 130,000 troops to the border. And now I've moved all of their ammunition is on trains. And now their air defense is coming. And here's all the infantry soldiers. And here they're all loading up. He knows what an offensive looks like. So what do you have to do? You have to give them something to think about. And give them something to think about, like we're sending 8,500 troops to Europe. And guess what? We have another 8,500 troops ready if NATO asks for their readiness brigade, you know, ready response force to mobilize in case there's a threat. Now you got to really make them wonder. Now, the, now there is a political aspect to this that I need to, to warn everybody. Okay. Putin may also be making the calculation that the Kremlin, you know, the KGB caucus in the House <laughs> of Representatives and led by, you know, Josh Hawley uh, now in the Senate, that this could help them take power in November by giving Biden a crisis uh, that may resolve itself or that he could, you know, animate. But he may get two things. He may be able to take the two provinces or whatever he wants in Ukraine and topple American democracy by getting the, you know, KGB caucus elected in November. Yeah, maybe which you could, is what's going to happen. Let's let's elaborate on that, Malcolm, because one of the things that we've seen in the past, and, and generally this happens when there's a Republican president and there's right. some sort of a military excursion overseas, it always benefits the Republican president, doesn't it? I mean, as far as approval ratings go and so on. I mean, George H.W. Bush going into uh, Kuwait and Iraq did extraordinarily well in the polls when that happened. Seems like what you're saying is if Biden were to intervene somehow in all of this, that it would negatively impact him. And I kind of agree with you, but why? Yeah. Why is that the opposite? Why is there two different uh, because, ways we interpret because- these things? Because one third of the American uh, electorate right now Uh 
belongs to the KGB caucus. Okay. And that they see Russia as a white, a white nationalist supporting nation, which is Christian, the last bastion of Christianity in Europe that is a holding the tide back from communism. Which is amazing because it's Leninist communist. Yes, you yes. Know? I was Literally just going to say. evil. <laughs> and he even has the cars. Yeah. Amazing. But what we've seen is this breakdown during the Trump years that the military is only good when it's pushing the role of Donald Trump and supporting what they think is, you know, their white nationalist view of America. Let's be honest. Yeah, now, yeah. when you see Capitol Hill police and the FBI and CIA working against them and for the Constitution, they feel that they're now traitors. Mm -hmm. So I think that they, you know, this is part of what was known as the Gerasimov information warfare doctrine, that the, the information warfare strategy that was used in 2016 uh, where I actually argued uh, Matt Taibbi about this once and, and Tucker Carlson tried to mock it, where the Russian doctrine says that you so influence a target population uh, to the point where they will believe what you say, that you can invade a country without firing a shot. That is what has happened to the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. They belong. They may as well just call themselves United Russia, United, you know, uh, and join with you know, the, the, you know, Putin's party openly because they are now, you know, advocating. Now, here's another kicker. Um, if the National Guard troops that are showing the Ukrainians how to uh, shoot missiles, you know, out way out in Western Ukraine gets ambushed and attacked by a Spetsnaz team while they're taking a city like Lviv or something like that, which is nowhere near Kiev. Well, are we at war? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then their opinion literally meets the constitutional definition of treason. Mm -hmm. I, I, you don't know with the Russians. And another thing, they're they're rather fast on the trigger. So there could be a precipitating incident where they do invade and shoot down a NATO strategic reconnaissance aircraft like mm -hmm. the J Stars or the EC, you know, E three AWACS with Americans on board, or shoot down, you know, rivet joint or reconnaissance aircraft. Or even we use still use TR1s and U2s and, uh, you know, and <laughs> you don't know where this is going to go. But yeah. all of this is the aggression of a ex-KGB officer turned dictator. All of it comes from him, not us. So anything that happens is on Vladimir Putin and anyone in the progressive world that blames Biden for having to respond to a dictator that attacked the United States itself? Yep. You're not a progressive, okay? You're mm -hmm. a libertarian. You're a Glenn Greenwald libertarian. <laughs> That's right. Who, who believes, who pretends they're on the left, but in fact, you're coming around to the right. And I, I'm not talking about people who are anti-war. Yay, be anti-war. I was in the military. I don't like wars. I don't want a war. Mm -hmm. But you know what? This is the Sudetenland 1939, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's coming to take what he says are ethnic parts of Ukraine or the entirety of Ukraine because he feels it's Russia. Why didn't Putin do this while Trump was president? Seems like it would have been uh, maybe an easier time if he had a friendly government in Washington. Yeah, well, you know, things take time. 
Maybe he thought that uh, Trump was going to get a second term. And he was thinking, okay, yeah, well, we'll just go in the second term. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible also. And, you know, he might have been emboldened by Afghanistan. That's which, true. by the way, for all the storm and drag that you hear from everybody about Afghanistan, mm. the greatest non-combatant evacuation done in American history. And, in fact, far less costly in American lives than the evacuation of Vietnam. Yeah. Where we lost dozens of people to airplane you know remember the baby lift when the c5 crashed with hundreds of vietnamese babies on board we lost the entire crew and all the nurses um but this is not a game yeah and war is never to be taken lightly but you know when war is thrust upon you 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 know especially in this crazy manner that putin is doing it there is something happening in his head i don't know whether the Old KGB and him just kicked in, but he seems to think that he might be able to get away with it. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully he'll find an easy way down and he can get what he thinks is a concession and this will go away. Well, a couple more questions for you, Malcolm, before we wrap up. And this has to do more with mm-hmm. the, the insurrection, and I, which I know is part of your wheelhouse here. Let's uh, do another uh, one to ten scale on this. Uh, on a scale of one to ten. What's the likelihood of Trump being indicted by the U.S. attorney in D.C.? One. One, you think so? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think he has a far better, I think he's far more terrified of Letitia James in New York. What's the scale? What, one to ten there? On That's a nine. That's a nine. What about Fonnie Willis? That's a nine. Nine also? Um, and, uh, well, I think... No, I, I, I personally think that's more like a two or a three. Really? Funny Willis, a two or three. Oh, my God. You're talking about Georgia, right? Yeah, um, yeah, Fulton County. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, you're talking about a state that has declared itself, uh, you know, pretty much openly racist. The grand jury may, may agonize over the indictment, and there are people there who will argue that, you know, you can't indict a sitting president. And some people yeah. will forget. He's not a president. Mm-hmm. He's just a citizen who can be in, indicted. But uh, I think Letitia James, um, and who knows what Merrick Garland is doing, right? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting thing. He mm-hmm. waived his privilege the other day when he gave his speech saying, yeah, I told Mike Pence to overthrow the government. Yes, I expected that we were going to start seizing voting machines. I mean, he's literally confessing to crimes. Yep. And the Justice Department seems to be agonizing over whether they should give insurrectionists two weeks in jail or a month in jail. Is it some sort of kind of misguided patriotism that's holding Merrick Garland back on this? Is he thinking like in terms of history, like, well, we don't want to start this endless cycle of presidents investigating former presidents and back and forth and back and forth. If he's thinking that way, he's not the attorney general of the United States. (laughs) He's not a lawyer. He doesn't uphold the law. He doesn't believe in the law. Mm -hmm. Now he's a politician who is making a political decision on the basis of history. Are you kidding? If it had been Glenn Kirshner, (laughs) indictments would have been flowing. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you would have been seeing literally guys frog marked, Mm -hmm. you know, out, you know, someone who believes that in the law and recognizes it. Yes, you have to get your paperwork done. Yes, you cannot talk about these things when they're being done. But, hey, you can indict. You know, the Mueller report was a 10 count indictment Yep. to come and say, well, we're not going to do it because he was a president of the United States and another president can do it. Hey, Letitia James, I keep saying, hey, Letitia James 
is going after the entire organization. Mm -hmm. And you saw that amazing report where they overvalued Ivanka's apartment uh, when they were making their application. They said for the post office, they said, oh, it's only worth eight point five million. But in every other document, they were telling people it was twenty three million, twenty five million. That's fraud. Yep. Right there. You defrauded the United States government. And to say, oh, he's a businessman, he, let's let him get away with it, means you've given a green light to all of that. Where's the next insurrection going to happen, Malcolm? Well, you know, I have a new book coming out uh, this, this late this spring, early summer. Oh, yeah. Which I wrote and finished last August <laughs> uh, called They Want to Kill Americans. Yep. Uh, the malicious terrorist and the deranged ideology of the Trump insurgency. We are beyond insurrection. And I called that insurrection 62 days before it happened on Real Time with Bill Maher. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are now in insurgency. Multiple operations which are political at the state level, the national level, the personal level, the, certainly the Republican Party level, and wow. insurrections themselves will start appearing, I suspect, in states after the election where they will start saying the election results were fraud or whatever. And um, governors will go along with it. That's How is that going to work during the Republican primaries? I've been curious about this for some time now. I don't think it, there will as, be a Republican primary. Oh, you don't think they're actually going to contest those uh, that race in the primaries? Oh, uh, you are you talking about the House or the? Uh, well, no, I'm talking about. I, I'm not talking about midterms. I'm talking about the presidential, presidential primaries presidential. Uh, st starting. A, you I don't know, think two there years will be a presidential primary. Oh wow! So they're just going to anoint. They're just going to anoint Trump. They're just not going to. They said gonna that. They said that last summer that that's what was going to happen. And Cruz and Rubio and Christie. They don't want and, discussions. Yeah. They're going to go to Cruz, Christie, and all the rest, and they're going to say, you're done wow. if you go up against Trump. Wow, wow, wow. Now, I am a firm believer in karma. I know karma is a stand-up comedian and, uh, <laughs> and a very cruel, cruel mistress when she wants to be. Yeah. I, for one, am just hoping karma takes a hand. Yeah. And, and, you know, and can you... Can you run as president if you're indicted? I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, we've got, Lauren, you know, these other idiots who, who've been involved. So we shall see. Well, the next book is called They Want to Kill Americans, The Militias, Terrorists, and Deranged Ideology of the Trump Insurgency. It looks like it drops on my birthday, Malcolm, July 12, uh, 2022. Yeah, is that right? You okay. can pre-order it now because it's going to be a big, big book. You got it. We're I have a big drop, but uh, it, there may be some availability problems you can order it on kindle and whatever so that uh, i think there's a it might even drop on ebooks earlier but okay it's going to be an amazing book and if you see the cover it's pretty scary <laughs> all right well i'll take your word for it I i'm going to put a link in the description under this episode of bobseska.com thank you so much my friend for taking the time for me today uh live from ukraine i really really appreciate it and good luck to you my pleasure bye-bye take care man bye I read your letter Took me back in time when I believed that if we both tried, could fly. Said it should be. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 